You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome to the Claret and Blue podcast. This is a live episode on Facebook. My name is Dan Rowenson. I'm joined by Matt Kendrick. Matt, how are you this evening? I'm very well, thank you. It's a chippy tea night tonight. So um, Nice. Chippy tea and a couple of cans, a couple of little tins of um, pride and joy. When I was uh, filling out the details of the podcast, I wrote the end of the, the summer transfer window in on the 16th of October. It's not really been a summer transfer window, has it really? It's bizarre. I mean, I, I just wonder. You know, obviously, we'd have liked liked to Ben Rama, although there's been a bit of mystery today whether he's fit enough to pass a medical or not. But we'd have liked to Ben Rama or something snuck under the under the radar at the last minute. But I just wonder whether us battering Liverpool seven two. You know, even if Smith had gone and got a strong case to go and get another player, the, the owners probably thought, "Well, hang on a minute, you just battered Liverpool seven two. What do we need?" Yeah, um, maybe. So I don't think right. one result would have made too much difference, but I can see there's a few comments coming in already saying it's a great window, but it could have been slightly better. I think we'll put maybe one striker short, it seems to be the general consensus. But then I kind of think if you spend, say, £20 million on Josh King, is he going to play enough games to warrant spending £20 million on him in the first place? Or do you just take the risk and take the gamble that you don't need him? Wasn't, wasn't general consensus, wasn't he, Randy Lerner's right-hand man? <laughs> uh. <laughs> Terrible joke, number one. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah, it's, it had to be right, didn't it? You know, Villa Villa have have gone into the summer with a strategy where they don't really want sticking sticking plaster signings anymore. They want signings that are going to be an improvement on the first team. Um, you know, for one, and yeah. to, to have some kind of long term value to the football club or, or sell on value. I suppose the one exception it doesn't fit. You know, it only fits one of those. He's, he's Ross Barkley, obviously, who's coming on loan. Uh, and, you know, who knows what will happen to him beyond next May. But I think I don't think there was any point Villa really jumping in, um, jumping in just to, to add, just for the sake of it. I agree. I do think we're a bit light up front. Um, you know, God forbid anything happens to, to Super Ollie Watkins. Um, I do think, you know, with, with Wesley, I think Wesley's put an update on social media today with him and Tom Heaton saying they're getting closer. Um, yeah. But I do think it's it's quite, you know, to go forward with um, with just Keenan Davis, really, as your only, your only cover up there, these Villa light. I'm also a little bit, I mean, don't turn this into a moan fest. Cause it's still, <laughs> it's still, I'm, I'm going for an eight out of ten. I was going to ask you what you rated it, so thanks for ruining yeah, that question. That, but I still think a left-sided defender would be um, welcome for me. I think in terms of, you know, it sounds really harsh, but for where Villa want to be and if Villa want to kick on and consolidate this season, I'm not sure Neil Taylor and Courtney Howes, even as deputies, um, are good enough options. But mm. again, Kind of everything, can we? You know, it's been been pretty spectacular in terms of now Villa look like they've got a kind of probably a core of probably thirteen or fourteen players who can be very good, very competitive at this level. I think when we did our video in the summer, it was called something like the thirty transfer targets Villa should look at, or something like that. I remember saying to James, I would not be surprised if not a single one of these players ends up at Villa because that's usually what happens. All the media rumours, they never really. Come to anything, do that. I don't, I don't know. Mainstream media Bad again. Bad at, it, back at it again. 
I don't think anyone on that list was uh, has ended up signing for Villa. You've got Matty Cash, Emiliano, Emiliano Martinez, Ollie Watkins, Trezeguet. Trezeguet? <laughs> Traore. I've written down Trezeguet. It's been a long week. And, uh, and Ross Barkley. I think Loftus-Cheek was on that list as an option instead of Barkley. And obviously Ben Rama was on there as well. I think we touched on Watkins briefly saying, oh yeah, well we'll see how much they want for him. But, you know, it seems like Ben Rama is the more likely of the two. When you look at those five names, though, you can't help but think... 80 million spent and a very strong window. Yeah, I've said this before, haven't I? That I kind of, I know, I know, we, we're duty bound by the by, by our contracts to uh, to react to transfer windows very quickly. Uh, I don't think it actually says that in my contract. I think it says you we pay you to do any job whatsoever that the company asks. For. Yeah, that's uh, what's in mine. But um, I don't like doing that. Fuck yeah, big that. What are you drinking from? Are you drinking from a dumbbell? I know I'm just a small man. It's a big two-litre bottle, just to make sure I get my daily fill of water. Is this a, are you reading that little? Is this a new spin-off? Is it Byron Blue, the borrowers? Um, you actually look quite small for some reason. You look like you're in the corner of the in the front. Carry on, come on, this is a podcast. What was I talking about? Um, yeah, I, I don't, don't really like... Uh, it's a bit pointless on a transfer review podcast, but... I don't really like to judge too soon. I'd rather we were doing this in May and then I've yeah. got a, big, a bigger body of evidence to, um, I'd say a bigger body of evidence, um, a bigger body of evidence on which to base my judgment. But Villa seem to have strengthened in areas where they really, really need to strengthen. They needed a centre forward who could score goals at a, a prolific rate. Uh, and if Holly Watkins continues <laughs> with three goals a game, they'll have done that. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure how many Villa fans, myself included, would have thought we needed an upgrade at right back until we've seen him. And And goalkeeper as well. Yeah. The goalkeeper one was an interesting one for me because I wouldn't have trusted, other than Tom Heaton, I wouldn't have trusted the goalkeepers on Villa's books. So I think Villa have been super shrewd there. Uh, And it makes me laugh at how, it makes me laugh at how much Arsenal and Chelsea fans are are weeping about losing Martinez and and, and Ross Barkley. That that tells me that Villa are in a good place. Um, And what else was I going to say? What was the question? I don't know. (laughs) I think think we talked about judging players in the past, haven't we? Because I remember this time, probably last year, we were looking at, and this would have been more realistic than in October of last season, to look at our busy summer of last year and, and judge those. And I think we went through and gave them all ratings. And you were like, oh yeah, he's a five out of six, five out of ten, six. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. You need a few more games. I think this time round, even though yes, I would still like some more time to judge. I feel like I'm more confident that probably all of those, apart from Traoré, who's the one we've seen the least of so far, all of those are going to be good signings. I would suggest. I don't think we'll look back and go, oh, he was all right, Ross Barkley. He had a good start, but he faded out. Again, it's, um, it's crystal ball stuff, isn't it? But they all seem like fairly reasonable, smart signings, don't they? I think so. I think so. Like I said, we we need to we, we need to judge it over a, a longer time frame. They certainly kind of fit the type of what what Villa need. Yeah. Um, you know, the all of a good age as well, aren't they? Um, what's I think what surprised me about Villa's window is how readily Villa were, how, how yeah, I'll get my words out in a minute. With, with Hotter and with, with Neuland, how they were prepared to pay people up to get them to leave. I thought that was, that was a very, very interesting strategy. Now, you know, smarter people than me, of which there are many, would 
would be able to say, is that a financial decision or is that a wanting to keep the core of players that you've got kind of energised and all feeling in contention and all feeling motivated decision? Probably a combination of both, but it, it, it does surprise me that Villa didn't think they could get even a, a nominal fee for Hotter or, or for Neuland. Um, but I just wonder, you know, I don't think Villa are carrying that much flab now, are they? Um, not really. I was going to say, you're disappointed that we've not shifted more players on, but I'm trying to think off the top of my head now, who is that? Henry Lansbury, maybe. Um, is there anyone besides that, really? So obviously, Scott Hogan ended up going. Chester, we, we all knew, was on his way as well. Uh, Samata has gone somewhere. I've already forgot. Is it Fenerbahce? Um was that even the rumour? I don't. I don't care to be honest. But do you know what I mean? Like, I've, 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 when I came to sit down and do this, I thought oh, it'd be nice to see a few more leave. But I don't think there really is. We can afford to lose anyone else, really. Let's talk about no, like some youngsters so. out on loan and stuff. You know, Davis out on loan, Ramsey out on loan. But I don't think we can. You can't. You can't send Davis out on loan because we've we've spoken about how loyal they are up front. Uh, if he's not there, I think um, I think there's been some interest. From a couple of championship clubs in Ramsey, which is unsurprising given the, you know, the, the glimpses that we've seen of him in the cup this season. He, you know, he's looked he's looked really impressive. Um, potentially, you could have you could have sent him back out again because I think the the Barkley the Barkley signing probably does does shut Ramsey further down the uh, the pecking order. But other than that, you know, I've mentioned Courtney House and, um, and Neil Taylor, but they're still they're still needed, aren't they? Because yeah. they're backups in, in in positions. Um, so I think I think it's been I say I think it's been an eight out of ten window. What what would you give it? I'd say eight as well. Yeah, uh, not to be boring and just to copy the same as you. I feel like we could possibly have got another striker. But like I keep saying, when people are talking about, oh, we need another centre back. Unless you're going to go and spend a lot of money to replace one of Mings or Concer, which I don't see us doing, I and mean, obviously we haven't done. I, just, I feel the same with with striker. Are you, are you going to spend twenty twenty five million on a striker that's probably going to be behind Ollie Watkins, you know, immediately to begin with anyway? To sit around on the bench, it just. It doesn't make much sense. So then, if you go and spend eight to ten million on a striker like a Samata, who's not going to get a kick anyway, and then end up leaving next summer again, what is the point? The only reason you're buying these players is in case Watkins gets injured, and you, I know you've got a plan for these eventualities. But fingers crossed that doesn't happen, and we don't need them anyway. It's a weird one, isn't it, when you talk about buying backup players because the, the ideal world is that you don't need them. Well, yeah, I think I think the the key point is that the the players who were regular starters last season, um, people like Al Ghazi and Trezeguet, who shared the kind of wide positions be, between them, you've got to hope, and we've seen it from Trezeguet, haven't we? To be fair, Trezeguet's had a had a, had a really encouraging start to the season. Yeah, you've got to hope that those those squad players that we have got step up now. You know, Conor Harahan and and Nakamba were. Fairly regular starters. I know they kind of rotated the midfield last time, but you know they're now the backup options. And we've got you know that centre of the park now for me. And I think I've, I've, I'm apologies for boring people who have listened to me bang on about this previously, but it's as strong as I've seen for for a, a long time. To be yeah. honest, um, to have Douglas Louis, John McGinn, and um, Ross Barkley in there, that to me. I don't know, probably this might come back and bite me on the arse, but that to me is a, a top eight, top eight, top six midfield now, Premier League midfield. Um, I'm not saying that Villa are a top eight, 
top top six Premier League team. Uh, I think that that's going to be quite a stretch. You know, if Villa finished in the top twelve. Um, that would I'd be delighted with that. But Sorry. midfield, and I'm not even mentioned. You know, Jack Grealish. Um, so it's this. It's been this is his biggest revelation. It's been a weird year. Um, but the the weird thing about it is that we've gone from being absolutely on the brink, probably what three and a half months ago, when me and you were saying, "Oh, we're doomed, we're doomed." Yeah. Us uh, of little faith saying we're definitely going down to thinking. Oh, you want to appear we come? <laughs> the optimism I've got now is something that I thought Villa will build towards over the next two years. Yeah. So, and I'm conscious that that, that can come come crashing down quite quickly. Um, but that's, that's been born out of two things for me. It's been born out of Villa recognising that the recruitment team they got in place got it right to a point but didn't get it right enough last summer and needed to make a change. And Dean Smith um, realising that he needed to make a change in his coaching team. I think the recruitment's been good and I think the, the fact that he's brought in a new coach uh, in Craig Shakespeare has been good. And those things put together, fresh fresh talented players coming into that group and fresh ideas to make the existing people in that group better. So far, a handful of that games into the season have sort of dovetailed quite nicely to, to get us, you know, probably probably getting carried away, but probably get us to optimism levels probably not seen since the O'Neill. Yeah. Yeah, we had a couple of good spells under Lambert, didn't we, when Benteke was there and Delph and Cleverly, uh, people like that. But, yeah, that feels a lifetime ago. To, to what we're seeing now there's a little bit of I don't want to say concern in the comments but people, there's a few people suggesting yeah the first 11's good but beyond that we are a little bit short in a lot of areas which when you've assessed the Stoke game the backup players weren't great were they but again you, you'd like to think that you're not going to have to rely on them in the Premier League too much anyway if you do yes we are in big trouble if Ollie Watkins is ruled out for six months but I don't think that they're in a, quite in a position yet when they're already spending 80 million to improve the first eleven, that they have to spend another forty odd million just for backup players. That's something that will come next season, I think. I think so. You'll end up making mistakes that Villa have made for the last ten years if you stockpile players for the sake of it. Uh, let's not forget this is a football club that won the uh, won the league title in the European Cup with about <laughs> fourteen players, so it can be done. The same um, Wolves do well with a, a small squad as well. Yeah, I mean, I think what what Villa have got to learn, learn from Wolves is their medical department kind of seem to seem to work wonders. Um, That's true. So you know, Villa, I would rather have a tight knit group of fourteen or fifteen players that all think they're going to be involved um, than just kind of signing people on five year, you know, happy base syndrome again, yeah. really. And signing players, you know, Villa had, had big squads under under Martin O'Neill, but they weren't being utilised. You'd think that the fringe players at Villa are at least going to be utilised, and that will keep them sharp. And the standards being lifted by these players being brought in, and by Villa looking to improve the coaches, should you know, it's a bit of a wing and a prayer, isn't it? To be honest, because you'd think that if Villa could keep the majority of that starting eleven fit and suspension free for the bulk of the season, Villa got a chance of finishing in the top twelve. Yeah. If they don't, and chances are they won't, that's where we're thinking, well, what's the difference between finishing 17th and, and, and finishing 13th? So that's where the fringe players have, have got to really step up. You know, that's where Conor Harahan has got to think, actually, what, I don't deserve this. What have, I, what have I done to deserve being bombed out of the team? 
I need to come back fitter, sharper and stronger and make more of an impact on games. That's where and where El Ghazi has got to think, right, I've got to knuckle down because if I'm a fringe player in the Premier League and I don't take my opportunities, how long am I going to be in the Premier League? Um, Likewise, Keenan Davis, you know, what do I need to add to my game to make me, to make me, you know, kind of be under the manager's nose all the time? I need to add goals. How do I do that? And it's it's sending out these kind of mini challenges. And I actually think that's a shrewder way of doing it than just throwing good money after bad all the time. It's a really hard balance, isn't it, as well? Because, again, Josh King, the example people keep talking about, if he's coming in for £20 million to sit behind Ollie Watkins and barely get a sniff until he gets injured, that might not even happen. How do you keep him happy? How do you justify spending £20 million on a player that isn't going to come in and immediately start games? It's just it's really difficult, isn't it? I understand that, yes, you need players behind the starting eleven, but in a world where signings are so expensive... I don't think you can just go out and go, right, well, we need to add 12 bodies. Let's just go and do that all in one go. That's something that has to build up over time, doesn't it? And when Wesley comes back, you then look at it next season and go, oh, we've got Wesley in backup now. Is he good enough or do we improve further and then bring somebody else in after that? It's a long process, isn't it? And I don't think it's as quick as just going, oh, yeah, let's just sign everybody we want because it's, it's just not as easy as that. Yeah, you know, Villa aren't, aren't quite a way off at the moment kind of being in that elite um, project big picture, big boys league, aren't they? Self-appointed big boys league. <laughs> league. Um, you know, Chelsea. That was the Chelsea method, wasn't it? For years, kind of stockpile as much of the talent, yeah, yeah. and then and then furnish most of the rest of the world with loan players. Which, thank you very much. You've done it again, Chelsea. We'll we'll take, we'll take Ross off your hands for a bit, but it's not the way to do it, is it? You know, it needs to it needs to be sustainable. And I'm really really chuffed with 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 what Villa. I've done so far. I've just been putting together a. I've managed to dust off my quill and do some writing a little bit this afternoon. I've put together a piece, you know, probably banging on about what we've done here, talking about how the window's gone so far. And again, my biggest frustration is I want to see him. Yeah. <laughs> Let us in. Let us in so we can see him play and we can, we can enjoy these moments with him. I'm just writing down our best 11 because I think the, fir- the first choice picks itself now. I've got Martinez in goal, obviously, Matty Cash, Conser, Mings and Target. Again, you would look at that and say, in the future, we want a new left-back and possibly a new centre-back if you if really wanted to step up to the next level. But for now, those two are fine for me. Douglas Louise, John McGinn and Ross Barkley as a midfield three, probably with Barkley pushing furthest forward as he did against Liverpool. And then currently, Trezeguet on the right wing, Watkins centre-forward and Grealish on the left. And then you can argue that um, Bertrand Traoré could possibly come in and... and oust Trezeguet from that side um, obviously he's the one that we're uh, yet to see the most of um, a lot of people saying about um, trial where I can play number 9 as well if 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 needed as a backup option um, when you look at that first 11 compared to what we had last year and then you know the years before in, in championship seasons gone by it's proof that we're heading in the right direction isn't it? Yeah the only thing I'd say I'd probably have Mason Mount on the left <laughs> Uh, left attacking position, have Grealish on the bench. Nice. Um, it's a lot better, isn't it? You know, it's kind of, like I said, the midfield, the fact that we look like we've got a, a goal scorer there. Um, I was chatting to my builder this morning, who's a Villa fan. Um, so we get all the get all the behind the bigger <laughs> the big interviews here. Came on the podcast, and he was saying, "You need to finish me more first. Um <laughs> I was chatting chatting to the the, the builder, and. Um, 
it was till we were all having a good, both having a good moan about um, Grealish being left out for, for England stuff like that. And he made the point, and he's right. He made the the point that you know it, it, it's funny we haven't seen people moaning about Jack Grealish tumbling over and, and falling down and, and holding on to other than with the exception of Graham Souness and holding on to the ball too long too long in, in the first couple of weeks of the season. And the reason for that is because now he's got options. He can give quick give and goes around the corner with Ollie Watkins yeah. and Ross Barkley. Jack Grealish is a very clever, intelligent player and the reason that he was holding on to the ball um, and and buying more free kicks last season was because that was the best option. That was the best option to get Villa up the pitch and to, and to create things. Now, Jack Grealish must love this. You know, I've done a little thing about the winners and losers of the transfer window for Villa and I think Jack Grealish is is amongst the winners because not only has he got a few more quid in his back pocket um, and been able to get into the England team or the England squad, but he's also got much better players around him who can yeah. who can in turn kind of make sure that he's not carrying carrying that that football club on his shoulders anymore. Uh, that he can actually aspire to kind of lead Villa lead Villa forward, both on the football pitch and forward in terms of. You know, then progressing year on year. So, I think, I think, if somebody would have outlined this to us this window two or three months ago, would have been. I suppose. I suppose. I suppose the only the only downside that I've seen from people saying is, well, we've been buying players from the championship. And I think, well, I, I take that the point. Bother, I take your point. But if you're buying players who are Premier League bound anyway, might as well get them with us. You know yeah. what I mean? You probably pay. You know, if Ollie Watkins, if you decide a player of that kind of talent, ability, and potential, and he's already been at a Premier League club, the thirty-three million that that Brentford got out of Villa would have probably been closer to kind of fifty or sixty million. Um, so I think it's been, I think it's been bang on, with the exception of a little bit of defensive cover and another striker. I think it's been, it's been a kind of best-case scenario window for Villa. Yeah, I agree. And just on the championship thing, very quickly, John McGinn was a championship player at one point. Tara Mings was a championship player. They they have to come and they, you know you have to go somewhere, don't you? When you sign for a club, like Matty Cash was came into Nottingham Forest, and now if he didn't get promoted, Nottingham Forest was going to get a move to the Premier League anyway. So we've snapped up one of the best right backs of the championship and one of the best strikers. Where they've come from doesn't matter, does it? Really, you could sign. Yeah, exactly. You could have signed an already successful Premier League striker who could be yet to score a goal, whereas Ollie Watkins has already got three against the Premier League champion. So the championship thing's irrelevant anyway, really. Yeah, well, what I would say, though, you've got to judge Ollie Watkins when he comes up against a decent defence, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, quick word on, on Leicester just before we go. Um, the title charge continues, doesn't it? As I said earlier, which people took very seriously, which is very clearly a joke. But come on, we've got to win another game, haven't we? Four out of four. Yeah, do you think Leicester really? Do you reckon these injuries really are genuine, or do you reckon they're just running scared? Yeah, I, I reckon that's probably you know they're probably you know, that sort of thinking. Oh, I don't want to face Ollie Watkins. I don't want to be embarrassed. Look what he did to Van Dijk. I um, I'd take a point on Sunday. <laughs> here we go. Here he comes again with his pessimism. Yeah, I, I probably would, but I think we can probably beat him. To be honest. And this podcast is one of the prime examples of getting a bit carried away that we'll look back on it at some point and go, God, we were wrong about a lot of those signings and we're also predicting that we're going to go and win four in a row, but why not? We're here now, aren't we? Yeah, I think I think the strap line should be we're not fickle. We just 
full of, <laughs> full of nonsense. To be it's a kind of, I don't know, I kind of see myself as a bit of an anchor. I did say anchor to, to you because you're the kind of younger, kind of more optimistic, enthusiastic one normally. I feel I've got to kind of just put down this kind of, okay, Daniel, don't get too carried away. Yeah, That's fair. Yet. So I feel I'm doing this kind of fatherly or big brotherly, shall we say. I feel I'm doing this duty by just, you're right, we should, we should, we've should just battered Liverpool 7-2. We should be able to go to Leicester, who are kind of reeling from an interesting start to the season and from having a, a kind of casualty list. I just think this is Aston Villa. As long as we don't get turned over 7-2, then <laughs> I'd go there and take a nil-nil, to be honest. Um, I think we'll like, goals. Do you think? Yeah. I think we might concede a couple as well. I think that might be us now this season, that we'll score yeah. a few and we'll concede a few, but like Leeds have started. How are you um, How are you going to consume the match on Sunday? Probably radio at this point. I'm not paying 15 quid. <laughs> Currently, as it stands, we might come to it Sunday and be like, "Yeah, we, we ended up buying it," but I'm against the fifteen pound for one game. Come off it. Yeah, I'm against the principle of it. To be honest, I, I mean, don't... they're probably not going to change me just backing out and going, "Oh, I'm not paying it." They're probably not going to change. But surely, if if enough people do that, they will be forced into change. But I'm not sure it's as simple as that. Yeah, I'm not from the school of thought that things we thinks we should be given all this for free. Uh, I understand why they want to charge for it but I just think I think it's quite prohibitive the, the charge that they're making I think it was if it was five quid you'd probably be inclined not only to buy all of your own team's games but you'd probably chuck a fiver down to buy some of the more interesting other game, games as well as a neutral but I just think 15 quid is a lot of money if, if, if most of your games are going to be done in that sense and obviously there's the big Eddie Aloku thing wasn't there last week when she took to Twitter before shutting before putting a private sentence on uh, when saying you know it's, it's it's half you know 15 quid if you pay 30 quid for a match ticket 15 quid for you know paying half for the same product into your own living room I think well I don't really like the word product uh, I don't use much uh, anymore <laughs> and, and B somebody rightly pointed out in the in the comment thread under her tweet you know it's 29 quid for the atmosphere and a quid for the football. Yeah. Basically, that's what it is. It's a communal thing. It's it's a chance to kind of be part of this kind of one heaving mass of like-minded Villa uh, fans, isn't it? So, you know, 15 quid is, is over the top for me. Uh, and, you know, I'm not trying to trying to paint myself as the world's most charitable man, but I've, I've chucked 20 quid towards a, a homeless charity today instead and just said... Listen, that's my, that's my gesture. I'm not promising I'll do it for every game. <laughs> yeah, steady on. Although I am, I am quite hoping. I play, I play five-a-side on, on Sunday night between six and seven. I'm hoping the bar where we play five-a-side are going to have it on pay-per-view. So uh, yeah, nice. I'm hoping I'll have the best of both worlds. But if not, I'll, um, I'll stick WM on on my way back home and listen to the commentary. And when I'm back home, I'll tune into Ashley, Ashley Priest's live blog for, um, for the best coverage out there. Yeah, I don't think the quality of this podcast will be affected by whether we watch the game or not. We'll, we'll chat our usual nonsense whether we've seen it or not, won't we? So it is what it is. I've not seen the game for years, mate. I just kept my lid off Twitter. <laughs> that, that's not even a joke either. That is something you do. Oh, can we watch the pundits first so I can know what to, what, what to say? But we all heard I mean, that one, haven't we? I wonder, um, 
I wonder what that, I bet they weren't even have pundits, will they? But you'll charge, I bet they'll, you'll, they'll charge a 15 quid. It'll be one of those ones where it just cuts one to the camera game. angle. That's the thing, you know, half time when you've got some, you've just got a little bit of, um, you know, nothingness as, as somebody comes and marks out the pitch or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't think we'll even get grabbed sooner. Oh, well, I'm not buying it then. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's enough for this afternoon. Um, transfer deadline day with no transfers, but we didn't really expect it anyway. Um, we're just basically ticking the box of the deadline day hysteria, aren't we, and getting involved. So we'll be back on Sunday to talk about the football a little bit and maybe we'll get an update on your chippy too as well. We'll, we'll all be waiting, fingers crossed, for that on Sunday. Um, yeah, last one. Thanks everyone for joining us. Thank you, Matt, and we'll see you soon. All right, up the villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa.